Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins on vacation. There's a whole lot going on. Even if you do this every day, it can get confusing. Yeah. Because you've got two separate stories going on with Biden family corruption. Most of legacy media doesn't care about it, but they're all in on Trump and the new trial date. Yeah. Yeah. Right on time as we are learning more about, I don't know, $10 million in bribes going from Burisma to Hunter Biden and allegedly Joe Biden himself, and right on the heels of bombshell testimony from two IRS whistleblowers talking about how the president's son got special treatment during the investigation into his tax issues. Uh, Right on time, Trump's trial date has been set for the classified documents case. A federal judge ordered that the trial in the classified documents case uh, will begin in mid-May 2024. Wow. What's going on then? Well, yeah, you got the primary that's probably going to be wrapped up at that point. Yep. And, uh, you know, Trump very well. And, and, you know, polling backs this up. It seems like he's probably going to be the nominee. And so it looks right now. Yeah, they're going to they're going to put him on trial as soon as the presidential general election is getting really underway in earnest. Yep. It's a total setup. It is. And they don't care. That's the funniest part about it to me. They don't. It's so transparent what all of this is, but they just don't care. It used to be optics mattered. Not anymore. Nope. Yep, we're going to do it. And what are you going to do about it? Nothing. And that part is very frustrating, but that's on. Um, And as you mentioned later on when we were on yesterday, as far as the FBI and what we find in this memo, uh, I mean... How is there not already talks about impeachment? I know that might sound extreme for some people, but no. if you're going by the rules of what we've seen in the past, this clearly well, should be followed. Well, Donald Trump's first impeachment was because he was asking the Ukrainians if they knew anything about what is being alleged now. Yep. And so what, what happened was this memo that was generated after a source went to the FBI in what was it the end of june of 2020 mm-hmm. and laid out hey here are the conversations i had with this ukrainian gas company about hunter biden they brought they said that they brought him onto the board of this of barisma in order to make sure that they would get special favors and protection because his his dad at the time when yep. you know this is 2015 2016 his dad was vice president and then yes. after the 2016 election, a lot of these guys were like, dang, man, I don't really like how this uh, election turned out because, well, I know Joe Biden wasn't going to be the president, but Hillary Clinton, if she were president, certainly we'd still be protected. Yes, business as usual. That's right. what we thought was going to happen. And they say that they have evidence that Joe Biden took a $5 million bribe and, and Hunter Biden took a $5 million payout in order to protect their interests as they were looking to expand their operation in the United States. So Trump gets elected. They're feeling like $10 million down the drain. Yep. Okay. And no one seems to care about this as far as media goes. No. 
And, you know, to your point about, you know, impeachment, that has to start next week. It has to start. And I know you're going to catch all sorts of flack and, oh, these uh, Republicans are just uh, doing political theater and all that stuff because, well, they, you know, mainstream media will take up that mantle because they think so little of the American public that they think that we can't see exactly what has gone on with Trump over the last several years and what's going on still to this day as we find out the news that as the primary is winding down, Trump's going to be going to trial. (laughs) Listen, Democrats are playing this game in a ruthless way. You have to play the game as ruthless as they do. Well, dude, if again, it's this simple because all of the Democrats said absolutely we should impeach Trump on this phone call. Mm -hmm. They were all about it. So if that is the rule, this is more egregious than that by a long shot. Definitely. And it sounds like you have receipts and you have bank records. I mean, there's a lot to this. So more on that a little bit later. Meanwhile, as far as Joe Biden, they're trying to get him out there because, of course, he's running for president. It's a disaster, dude. Yeah, it is. Well, earlier this week, Joe Biden had a photo op with the president of Israel and appeared to nod off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And we brought Israelis and Palestinians together at a political level, and the Okay, if we can take the last three to four seconds of that, um, I don't know if you can speak Biden on this. Yeah. Okay. Well. I thought this was funny. White House spokesman John Kirby was asked yeah. about that moment on Fox News. John, this got a lot of attention. It got picked up in a lot of places. Why is it so hard to understand what, what the president is trying to say there? I think he was very, very clear, Martha. Uh, first of all, our commitment to, iron, to, to Israel's security is ironclad, not going to change. So you didn't think there was any problem to communicate there? You didn't have any, any difficulty understanding what he was trying to say? The president was very clear in, the, in, that, in that clip, and he's been very clear uh, publicly and private with, his, with the Israeli leaders about what we're trying to do here. Well, they've stated they don't think it's clear at all. And I'm just speaking as one American. Not real clear to me. No. You can almost hear John Kirby about to start laughing. Because John Kirby, he's, he's not an idiot. You know, he, he knows exactly why uh, a Fox News host is asking him about this. He knows sure. because everybody knows Joe Biden is senile. Everybody knows it. Of course. And he's got a job to do, John Kirby does. Mm-hmm. So he's going to go out there and just lie through his teeth. I thought it was perfectly clear <laughs> what he said there. I'd be, well, well, commitment to Israel, okay? Yeah, that, that's, what, <laughs> that's what he was articulating in that moment, even though he wasn't articulating, you know, articles of speech and whatnot. Well, and I think to your point, he's not a dumb guy. He's your classic weasel. Totally. But not a dumb guy. Yeah, and he'll get out there and say whatever it is. You know, as we were watching that unfold together, and you say, what day was it that he just let his soul get away from him? I mean, yes. Because you wonder. It, it's usually, you know, just a little at a time, little at a time in the political world, and then there's a part where your whole yeah. soul is gone. Yeah. What well, day that happened, I don't know, but it's clearly gone. I mean, I do remember a day, because he also worked in the Obama administration, Mm-hmm. And there was one time he was doing an interview about, uh, remember the coordinated attacks in Europe 
on the part of ISIS. Like bombs going off, France, Belgium, et cetera. Yep. I mean, it was just, it was a terrible day. Uh, and uh, again, that evening, Barack Obama was in South America dancing the tango with some lady. Yes. Remember? I remember. And somebody asked about this, hey, th- this ISIS thing is not getting better. It's pretty bad right now. And he said, this is proof positive, the fact that they're lashing out like this and launching coordinated attacks in Europe is proof positive that we've got ISIS on the run. <laughs> I don't know if that's the exact day that John Kirby lost his soul, but I do know that's the first day that I realized what a soulless weasel that guy is. Yes, no doubt. And that was after Obama called him the JV squad. Yeah. Okay. Boy, memories, huh? Um, you know, when you were talking earlier about Trump and May and all of this being coordinated at a specific time, there are people I know that had planned on not voting for Trump in the primary, but now are digging in. And a lot of people think that's exactly what the Democrats want because that's who they really want to run against. I was thinking about that when I was reading more stories about the controversy over this Jason Aldean song. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I know a couple of Jason Aldean songs. I certainly wouldn't say I'm a fan. It's fine. But with all of the griping and moaning and cries of it's racist, it it, it makes me want to buy a Jason Aldean T-shirt. It makes me want to go to the concert. Goodness gracious, the idiots at The View, did you hear this? Yeah, this is about the song Try That in a Small Town, where the music video shows uh, uh, him singing, of course, and then you've got news clips from the 2020 riots, basically saying, you try that in a small town, and you're not going to like the results. And that's true. Yes, and as far as the lyrics go, uh, holding up a liquor store, spit in a cop's face, um, carjacking a woman at a stoplight. Try that in a small town. You're not going to get very far. And that resonates with a lot of people. But oh, no. No, no. This is racist. They were taking care of the people in their town. What? Yeah. That's what Whoopi Goldberg said about people who were burning down small businesses, many of them owned by black people. Remember that? In yes. Minneapolis, Philadelphia, elsewhere. You had people actually putting up signs, black-owned, don't burn down. Right. <laughs> Helping so, their community, huh? Whoopi's saying, well, you're talking about your small town. These were black people protecting their town by burning it down and yeah. looting it? Okay. They were taking care of the people in their town because they didn't like what they saw. Just like you talk about people taking care of each other in small towns. We do the same thing in big towns. You just have to realize that when you uh, make it about Black Lives Matter, people well, kind of say, well, are you, are you... Hold on a second. Who made it about Black Lives Matter? You're talking about the lyric or just the video? The video is not just Black Lives Matter. It's Antifa. It's nonsense. Any sort of nonsense. Yeah. And I, I definitely take exception to the claim that they were just helping out their town because, especially if you're talking about BLM, mm-hmm. the defund the police movement, <clears throat> depending on what town you're in, but like you look at Chicago, you look at Portland, you look at all of these areas, Austin, Texas is one of them, of course, uh, where this kind of progressive BLM-based ideology took root, it has ushered in a series of violent acts 
it has ushered in an era of carnage in the black community that we have not seen in decades. So you're give me a break right. with that. Oh, no doubt. And the other thing is you're, you're taking care of your people. I'll tell you what, uh, the folks in the small town that take care of each other, they don't want their businesses being burned down and looted. Yeah. Just for the record. Okay. There's more from this. Talk about black people. What are you talking about here? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that his intent wasn't to, you know, stoke division, glorify violence or racism. I'm going to give him Okay, that is this the faux conservative on The View? I think so. Alyssa Farah Griffin or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So for a lot of my friends and family who are legal gun owners and small communities, they're like, yeah, that's what we do if someone breaks into a story. He's talking about the right to defend yourself. Yep. What I thought of when I read that, read that was Ahmaud Arbery. I think of a black man in a small town oh, in the South goodness. who literally just got shot for doing nothing wrong. So I think what becomes problematic is that there's a, rec there's a lack of recognition of what this means to about 50% of the country whose experience isn't Jason Aldean's. But there is an issue. Hold on a second. Who's he writing songs for? Right. Is he supposed to write them for you? That's going to be the lamest freaking music ever created. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, thanks. Okay, you know, I can barely take all of that, but we could get to more of it later if you want to. There's something I think we should probably recognize. I left my the great Tony Bennett. Passed anyway, at 96. Passed away after a battle with Alzheimer's. Um, not one of those things that's really unexpected. Still no. sad. The guy's a legend in music, uh, in pop culture. And, I mean, there are some really cool stories about his life and his life story, some of which actually predate his foray into the music world. Okay, you're going to give us a story within the next 10 minutes. And as if I would consider myself a fan. I saw Tony Bennett live in concert. In 96. It was fantastic. But you've got stories that I did not know about. I can't wait to get to that. Also, um, a DEA official resigns. Wait till you hear why. Coming up. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins on vacation back on Monday. Saw this story from Daily Wire. A top official at the Drug Enforcement Administration has stepped down. Why? Uh, well... Reports are he uh, previously worked in some consulting with the uh, pharmaceutical industry. Uh, it's the revolving door. Oh, sure. Yeah, you got the big pharma uh, into uh, federal bureaucracy to help out your buddies and then on back again. It's like what you see with uh, the banking industry mm -hmm. and the SEC. And no one, no one ever gets in trouble. It doesn't ever seem. But this person, uh, Louis Million, appointed in August of uh, 2021 to be the principal deputy administrator. That's the second ranking position. And then resigned after the report that he had consulted for several large pharmaceutical companies, including Purdue Pharma. Hmm. hmm. Who helped facilitate the opioid crisis. Goodness gracious, man. The corruption is far worse than I think we ever thought or would have thought, say, 10 years ago. Yeah. And do you suppose it's just always been like that or it has gotten to the point where people don't even care anymore yeah, about I mean, optics? Because we've already made that point today. Yeah, there, there's a case to be made that you want people who've been in the industry to be regulating the industry just because they know the ins and outs of it. I understand mm -hmm. that idea um, until, you know, you find evidence of people who are basically giving favors to their buddies, to the people that they plan to go work for again. That's a problem. 
The other thing is, in this administration, that standard is not applied to any other portion of the federal government. I mean, Pete Buttigieg is the transportation secretary because he rode on a boat once. <laughs> and he loved trains as a kid or something. No, it's insane. All right, can we get to the nice story about Tony Bennett? Yeah, well, he passed away at the age of 96. Yeah, well, this is about his military service, and I don't think a lot of people know about this. Um, He was drafted during World War II when he was 18. He turned 18. They said, all right, you're in the Army now. Um, In his autobiography, he talked about his time serving. Uh, He referred to it as a front row seat in hell. He was part of the very end of the uh, conflict when all hell was breaking loose as Germany was getting desperate and America and the allies were pushing forward uh, to remove him from power and, and, and defeat the Nazis. Uh, He was a part of the group that liberated prisoners of the Koffering concentration camp. That's the largest sub camp of the infamous Dachau complex. Okay. I did not realize that, that he was part of the liberating force of a, of a major concentration camp. I did not know that either. And after the war ended, he wound up uh, staying behind as part of the occupying force. And part of his job was to exhume mass graves oh and prepare goodness. soldiers' bodies to be sent home. And that's why, I mean, he he talked about it a lot. He was a pacifist. Um, he talked about it a little bit on Howard Stern back in 2011. Okay, roll it. I really dislike war. Right. See, to me, life is a gift. And you should enjoy it. I mean, it's a great gift. To be alive is the best thing that could ever happen. You know, I just, uh, uh, everybody had to go to war. It was just one of those things that was the most horrible war. Wow. You know, he is such a gracious dude. You never know what anyone's like unless you probably live with him, that sort of thing. But of any performer I've ever seen, he would say these things in between songs like, would you mind if I did it, an older song? Everybody's like, of course, man. You do whatever you want. That's why we're here. It was awesome. That was cool. All right, much to get to. <laughs> Kamala Harris, this is going to trip your trigger, man. Yeah, it is. Lying about Florida next. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer, David Van Camp, the Millennial, and the Sexy Boomer. Get sexier with some rest and relaxation. Scott Robbins on vacation this week. He'll be back on Monday. Okay, um, as we were getting ready for the show today, there are different things that can just make you very angry. Mm -hmm. Just make your blood boil a little bit. Yeah. And I think this was the topper for you today, David, this Kamala Harris story. Yeah, so I've said before that liberals' tactic when they lose the argument is to change the language. That's yeah. only part of it. They change the language or outright lie. Sometimes both at the same time to where you can't really tell a distinction between the two. But that's that's what's happening right now with Florida public school curriculum. Liberal activists have lied about the state of Florida, claiming a key part of their black history curriculum is focused on the positives of slavery. Vice President Kamala Harris delivered this statement during a speech. Extremists pass book bans to prevent them from learning our true history. Book bans in this year of our Lord, 2023. Lord, really? Going to call upon that, Kamala? (laughs) Really? And while they do this, check it out. They push forward revisionist history. One that applauds the 1619 Project. Yeah. 
is talking about revisionist history. Yeah, yeah. And hasn't this book ban thing been debunked? It has been debunked, but they keep saying it because they know that their lackeys in the media will believe it. Yes. Just yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. Okay. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it. Yeah. <laughs> Getting the passion there. I will say so she got coached up by the consultants. You just need to show more passion. That's that's what will get people to follow you and like you. I no, mean, it won't. This was a straight up lie, but at least it didn't sound like it fell out of a bingo tumbler. I mean, it was well, that's because she was clear. reading it. Yeah. Uh, so what what is this really all about? This talking point comes from a section where students analyze events that involved or affected Africans from the founding of the nation through Reconstruction. You're talking about the period of slavery in America. Mm -hmm. There are things in the curriculum outline, they're called benchmark clarifications. They're written to support the instructor. Here are some ideas, here are topic starters, here are basically the the guardrails or something that you might uh, be interested in in talking about to further this discussion. So, for example, under the section about the Underground Railroad, one clarification says students should also learn about the use of spirituals as a form of secret coordination. Mm -hmm. Great. One section is about looking at the duties and trades performed by slaves. And the benchmark clarification, think of it as an asterisk or a footnote, says this includes, includes how slaves developed skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. That's okay. not that's not teaching that slavery was beneficial to slaves. No, it's, it's saying, not. Okay, but you know, after the Civil War, during the Reconstruction period, um, as as uh, former slaves have been freed now, and they're getting hopefully some more rights in the South, um, you know, as you're studying that, what skills could have translated from slavery to then being a free citizen of the United States? Well, that's telling the complete story. That is actually telling the complete story. And again, that's not the primary focus of any of the lessons. They took a footnote and said, this is the bedrock that uh, principle that Florida wants to teach kids about slavery. It's a freaking lie. And it's done to, to not only smear the state of Florida, but also to poke at and inflame racial tensions in this country. It's despicable. That's what they're trying to do in so many different ways, is split the country. And like you said, by lying, it's it's an assault on reality and the truth. And you see more of it every day. I saw this story. Um, and I, you may have talked about this, too. I saw this at Hot Air. David Strom wrote it because he, he had talked about the nation's first transgender lawmaker. Oh, yeah. If you remember this story in New Hampshire? Yeah. It's a legislator. Um, well, that person uh, was arrested by police this week and charged for allegedly distributing child pornography. Mm-hmm. Not hearing much about that right now, no, are you? No, this person has had a, a quite the past, by the way. Uh, so has this person has actually been elected to office twice. Yes. The first time got run out because of credit card fraud allegations or something like that. And now the second time, uh-oh, uh, maybe a diddler. Yes. And had a significant other that was, well, 
So the story goes, a teacher that would take kids to bathroom breaks and take pictures of them and then send them to the lawmaker. I had not heard that part. That that makes me feel a little sick to my stomach. I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm just I mean, telling it's the you truth. that is the it's... story. Yes, the, over 2,500 text messages between Lawton and Groves, these two people, mm-hmm. on the phones obtained by the prosecution, including at least four sexually explicit pictures of children between three and five years of age. And then you'll have people on the left saying, ah, these people, conservatives, talking about protecting children. They just don't want them to learn the truth. No, no, it's about protecting children because you keep proving time and time again you're coming after the children. Right. Well, I mean, read that story and then tell me that Florida was wrong to put the death penalty on the table for child sex offenders. Right, because there are plenty of people in this country that have no problem with that whatsoever. No, that's you're if you're a teacher in a in a position of trust and you're taking pictures of kids going to the bathroom, wood chipper today, bye, you don't get to live anymore. I won't lose an ounce of sleep over that. All right, we got to move on. This is the part of the show where, well, we go around and just talk about what you see today in the news. It might not be the biggest story, but it caught your attention. So, David, what's your story today? Well, you know, we've had the national conversation about Joe Biden's age, and I still contend nobody's concerned about his age. It's about the fact that the guy can't put a sentence together most most days and forgets where he is, uh, tries to shake hands with invisible people. He's senile. Uh, Yes, I, and to your point, could not agree anymore. I mean, what was this from yesterday? How many times you read and played that a recession's coming? Even Wall Street today said no, they don't see recession coming now. <laughs> recession coming now? Yeah, yeah. That's not about the age, you know. Sometimes, you know, with Bernie Sanders, for example, they'll bring up his age because he's about the same age as Joe. Mm-hmm. But that's not a big topic of conversation because even though he's a rotten communist, Bernie Sanders doesn't appear to be, at least to my eyes, senile. Joe Biden's senile. Yes. Uh, and here's another story. President Biden is reportedly using lower stairs on Air Force One to avoid tripping incidents. <laughs> because he keeps falling up the stairs. Oh, my goodness. So they're like, okay, what we got to do is we got to lower the stairs. How do you do that? <laughs> Well, apparently, new construction. It's, apparently, it's the uh, they do have a separate uh, staircase for Air Force One that's used for when there's inclement weather, and it's something that where the risers on at the back of the stair is a little bit lower, so there are more steps, but you don't have to bring your foot up as much. Okay, <laughs> but that and that's to avoid tripping because it's pouring rain, you know, not yes. because. You're senile, and you've got the stiff gate going on and all of that right. stuff. I mean, they don't see Rishak coming now. Yeah, right, exactly. Clunk, 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 clunk. Yeah. So they, they want to stage manage him just a little bit better. You just got to reshack the stairs. Yeah. Everything will be fine. That's fine. He's also wearing sneakers more often because they got the better grips on him. He's got the old man wall walking, uh, wall walk, <laughs> mall walking shoes. <laughs> I pulled a Biden there. That stuff's contagious, man. We can only play so many of those clips, David. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> uh, for my story today, uh, I had a couple of different options, but I wanted to go with this. It was something I 
happened to see in the Wall Street Journal. The title of the piece is The Rise and Fall of the Chief Diversity Officer. What? Diversity executives hit the exits as company priorities shift. How about that? Companies including Netflix, Disney, Warner Brothers have recently said that high-profile diversity, equity, and inclusion executives will be leaving their jobs. Thousands of diversity-focused workers have been laid off since last year, and some companies are scaling back racial justice commitments. Now, I'm sure that someone could take that out of context and say, Oh, so you want to go back to Jim Crow? <laughs> no, th- if you're paying attention, the DEI stuff is insanity yeah. and has affected so many different companies and people that work for those companies. I mean, a lot of people would say it's one of the reasons in the ESG stuff is why someone like Bud Light did what they did with Dylan Mulvaney. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so there are a lot of these businesses now looking at how much money we're paying these people and for what. Because we've gone over job descriptions before about these certain positions. And you're always left, and I mean this sincerely, what do they actually do other than hold meetings and talk about diversity? No. That, no, that's the entire job, is to lecture people and be really, really, really annoying. That's their entire job. And I just want to say, for the people who say this is going to usher in a new era of Jim Crow segregation <laughs> or something, you do realize that there's a whole hell of a lot of middle ground between segregation and communism, right? Some people don't you, know that. You, like, getting getting the scam artists and communists out of positions of authority is not the same as saying we want to reinstitute Jim Crow or, or segregation, much less slavery. No, it should be a meritocracy. That's what it's about, for crying out loud. Okay, much more to get to. Uh, I didn't realize the movie Sound of Freedom crossed another big milestone. It's supposed to be a big weekend for movies, too, coming up. We'll hit that and get a news update next. All right, to Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins on vacation back next week. I don't know if this happens to everybody, and sometimes I think maybe it's just somebody like us. You're looking through different news stories every day, and you wonder, what happened? How did we get here? Is this real? And I look up at the TV monitor. It's Fox News. It's The question is, biologists are studying if sharks are eating cocaine. <laughs> cocaine sharks may be feasting on bales of drugs <laughs> and i'm like is this like sharknado no this is real they think that they could be eating bales of drugs <laughs> hunter okay. biden's about to find a new hobby <laughs> <laughs> holy smokes i couldn't believe that when i saw that all right um mention the movie sound of freedom it's been, you know, controversial. Shouldn't be. <laughs> no, but Not at all. The one thing I have learned is that there are a lot of writers in media who are uh, pro-child sex trafficking. Apparently, you, you know, you would think that it's like, well, it's just they're going too far with this movie about child sex trafficking. Are you going too far? It's based on a true story. It's across uh, the one hundred million dollar mark. Mm-hmm. No one predicted that. Only cost fifteen million to make, by the way. And if you're unfamiliar, you're talking about a homeland security agent who makes it his mission to find a girl in the jungles of Colombia and rescue her and other kids from human traffickers. Um incredible success story. 
this weekend supposed to be a real big weekend at the movies because mm-hmm. you got Barbie opening and Oppenheimer. Yeah. I saw this goofy thing talking about, well, if you're going to binge them both, here's some tips. Are you serious? <laughs> you're just going, what binge? I thought that was for like a series. I, it's just going to a movie. Yeah, there. Yeah, because there's a, there's a movement on social media. to What are they calling it? Uh, Barbenheimer or something like yes. that? Yeah, where you can, it's a double feature where you go see the Barbie movie or the Oppenheimer movie on the same day. And yeah, I don't really, you don't really need tips there, right? You, it's just sort of like buy your tickets and have fun. Oh, the tips are like, well, not too many sugary snacks. Oh, please. Because you'd have a crash. <laughs> I'm like, really? That's what we need right now? <laughs> Goodness gracious. You know, pace yourself on that. Maybe some nutritious snacks mm-hmm. and not too much soda loaded with sugar. You're, you're watching movies, not running a marathon. But not only that, I mean, Oppenheimer's rated R, okay? So you're telling me you've got to give tips on snacks to people 17 and older, 18 and older, whatever? Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. By the way, I've also read a couple of places, people that have gone to that movie, you know, because you're talking about. You know, the Manhattan Project, World yeah. War II, the bomb. Father of the that, atomic bomb, yeah. Yeah. People are leaving, like, really disturbed. Like, shaken. They probably should. That's mission accomplished. I mean, that's the the deadliest weapon technology that humankind has ever created. I mean, it's harnessing yeah. the energy of the sun. Yes. That's it's a pretty big deal. But how many people think when you're going into the movie that you're going to leave the movie, like, kind of shaken by it? Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to stay with you for a while. Well, I mean, that, that whole project, like, destroyed the guy physically. And I, because he survived off of coffee and cigarettes for a couple of years. I mean, he, it was. Yeah, I think it also highlights uh, his parts of his personal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, some would call it ladies' man. Some would call it man whore. <laughs> Whatever you tend to go with, that's sort of the story. <laughs> well, if you can't play Johnny Appleseed after creating an ad- <laughs> atom bomb, what's the point? It was even before and during, I do believe, actually, from <laughs> reading one of the reviews. I um, also saw this out there. <laughs> uh, new TikTok trend. And this sort of in line, if you remember, the Tide Pod challenge. People are posting videos claiming they're consuming borax. Used as a laundry additive, a pesticide, a household cleaner. An herbicide to unclog drains. And people are doing it. I don't know exactly why. Um, but if intentionally or accidentally swallowed, it causes nausea, vomiting, stomach irritation, skin rashes occur. Um, larger doses are lethal. This sounds so then like, you wonder, is some kid going to die from this? This sounds like one of those things that nobody's actually doing. It could be. Okay, remind me now. There were people actually doing that Tide Pod thing, weren't they? It was like six people that got hurt doing it. Nice. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robbie Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. 
Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins on vacation back next week. Thank you for being here. A lot going on. Who doesn't have a right to free speech? Who said that? Apparently, Americans don't have a, an unlimited right to free speech. Weird. Oh. Uh, the House had a hearing on censorship featuring Robert Kennedy Jr., and of course, that's been a lot of the focus. Um, but this, to me, is the bigger issue because Democrats are actually arguing in favor of censorship. It, it's remarkable. Here's one of the examples here, Representative Linda Sanchez talking about this. Okay. No right given to the people of the United States is absolute, and that includes the right to free speech. We are not trying to censor speech. We are simply trying to create factually correct information to prevent harm. To prevent harm. How'd that work out during COVID? Didn't work out very well, did it? No, no. it did not. I like how Democrats are saying no right is absolute except abortion, which isn't actually a constitutional right. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. You know, that's really interesting, the whole Robert Kennedy Jr. story with this, because that was getting a whole lot of attention yesterday, the whole hearing, mm -hmm. right? Okay. You know what? Let's see if I can find this on the fly. I have the open of the Today Show today, all okay. right? And, you know, of course, they're going to talk about the heat, but they also, in their promo, talk about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., but it wasn't about that hearing. That wasn't the deal. Okay. Straight ahead. Okay. On the stand, the close Trump aide okay, right of course. there on January 6th testifies before the grand jury. Is another Trump indictment imminent where the case goes next? Nothing about the whistleblowers. No, no, of course not. Nothing about that FBI report with Burisma and Biden family corruption. Nah. Kennedy family feud, JFK's grandson calling on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to end his presidential campaign. He's trading in on Camelot, celebrity, conspiracy theories, and conflict for personal gain and fame. This morning, Jack Schlossberg's surprising and very personal message. <gasps> okay. Please get out of the race. Yeah. You're becoming a pain in Joe Biden's butt. We got our marching orders. Uh, you've got relatives now saying, please, you're you're needing to get out of this race because you're sullying the family name. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's he's the most embarrassing Kennedy. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, and look, I, I think that there are some of, of my friends on the right who I, I would like to see them back off of the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. love. Because, like, okay. How so? Well, uh, okay, so he says a couple of things you like. That's great. You know, you can appreciate yeah. that, that part of it, and that, that's fine. But never forget that this is the same guy who partnered with people from the Nation of Islam to talk about how vaccines were targeting black kids to give them autism. And there's just a whole lot of stuff that he's done that's, that's fairly kooky, and he's still a lib. Oh, goodness, yes. I think this happens a lot with people on the right. Um and to your point, maybe sometimes it's taken too far. Um, like all of a sudden, Elon Musk, you're like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Because anybody that is going to stand up for something that you believe in, you kind of get excited about it. Yeah. But yeah, I think you also have to take the old measured approach and not put too much faith in other human beings because who knows what they're really about in the end. But, yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, I've liked watching what he has said about a number of different things because i think he's right on some things not too sure about some other things um but the fact that he's speaking out against biden 
and the corruption that's gone on and everything that happened during COVID. I, I like that. And it's fun for me to watch them try to ignore him, but they can't. So that's been pretty cool because he's still polling. Is it around 20 percent? Last I saw, it, it seems to be hovering between like 14 percent and 20 percent, depending on what poll you're you're looking at. OK. All right. Um, oh, by the way, the FBI decided against confirming the Hunter laptop. That's yeah. a story that maybe media could pay attention to. Yeah. Remember, just ahead of the 2020 election, the New York Post published this bombshell story about a laptop belonging to Hunter Biden. And in it, there were documents that connected Joe Biden to his son's business deals around the world. That was the big story. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's not just about the Richard picks and everything else that was in there. No. Uh, But we were told it's crazy. There's no doubt about that. Reprehensible. A lot of it. But we were told it was Russian disinformation. Most notably, Twitter didn't let people share the story because the FBI had warned about an upcoming Russian disinformation dump. But the FBI knew it was real. They'd had it for at least a year. Um, because, you know, anyway, uh, now we have a little bit more clarity on this decision. Here's how it went down. According to a Fed who was in the decision-making process testifying uh, behind closed doors to the House of Representatives. Somebody from Twitter, according to her, asked whether the laptop was real. One FBI official immediately said yes. Well, yeah, it's real. But that yeah. person was cut off by someone else who said, uh, we're not going to comment on, at this time. Oh. And then that's how it played out from, from then on out. They're just not going to The protection comment. was there. Of course it was. And we all know it. It's too bad most people in the country don't know it because they don't. It's like the lab leak. You had another story. Oh, dude. Uh, this is from public and independent news team, uh, Michael Schellenberger, Alex Gutentag, uh, Leighton Woodhouse involved in this reporting. Okay. They got their hands on internal communications between the scientists who said it was impossible for COVID to have come out of that lab in Wuhan. Right. Remember that a few months into the pandemic, they said, yes. well, no, the lab leak theory. No, 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 no. This, this came from a pangolin, right? Right. Uh, except privately... Uh, they were telling each other, yeah, pangolin's probably not an intermediate host between bats and humans for the coronavirus. Right. Christian Anderson, his name has come up a lot. He was very involved in, in not only writing this, uh, this sort of debunking or whatever of the lab leak theory, but also had a financial interest in making sure that cash was flowing to this type of research yeah. in uh, bat coronaviruses. This is what he said in private. Uh, For all I know, people could have infected the pangolin, not the other way. (laughs) Then clearly none of these pangolin sequences was the source. The scientists were far more suspicious of a lab origin than previously known, the authors write. The clearest example of this is when Anderson said on February 1st, 2020, I think the main thing still in my mind is that the lab escape version of this is so friggin' likely to have happened because they were already doing this type of work. Yes. And the molecular data is fully consistent with that scenario. In fact, they had a Slack channel. That's what I mean by internal communications. Initially, it was titled Project Wuhan Engineering. And then in February, uh, Anderson changed it to Project Wuhan Pangolin. Wow. (laughs) Well, the thing is, you've heard about these reports and how the emails went out from Fauci. And different scientists changed their story all within a weekend. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, and, and two months after they published the preprint version of the, no, it couldn't have come out of that lab. 
Right. This same guy, Christian Anderson, said on April 16th, 2020, well, you know, we really can't fully rule out engineering for basic research. <laughs> <laughs> See, man. And again, you just hope all of that comes out. You really do. Um, I want to get to something else. And you sent me, this was later yesterday, this deep fake. Mm-hmm. And it's so hilarious because of what the Obamas have been up to recently yeah. that someone put this together. Yeah, so Barack Obama put out a statement earlier this week uh, to fight against so-called book bans, which is really just a bunch of parents getting ticked off at explicit material being given to their kids at school. Mm-hmm. Of course, Democrats never actually read from the books that are supposedly being banned because that would give away the game. So someone who goes by the Prince of Deep Fakes <laughs> did a fake version. And again, I want to stress this because... Just so every this is a fake version of Michelle and Barack Obama reading one of these books. The audio actually bounces between a real book reading they did mm-hmm. and then AI generated voices. So the video is actually quite clever where you see them turning the pages of a book yes. and then it goes to highlight uh, pages of the book genderqueer, which show explicit images as then the fake Obamas read the text. Yes. So the text in that book is real. It's just the fake of the Obamas reading it. Yes. Roll it. Hi, I'm Barack Obama. That's real. I'm Michelle. Welcome to Live from the Library. Today we thought we'd read you a story. A very special memoir called Gender Queer. I was 11 or 12 years old the first time I can remember fantasizing about having a penis. (laughs) That's really good AI there. <laughs> yeah. That sounds exactly like her. It really does. For years, my standard method of masturbation was stuffing a sock into the front of my pants and manipulating the bulge. <laughs> and the, the most hilarious part is that's actually in the book. Yeah, that's real text from the book. It's a fake Obama. Yes. Reading. Mine are a little bigger than Jerome's. A lot bigger. <laughs> <laughs> This would evolve into hip thrusting um, while thinking of my latest gay ship. Memorably, I got off once while driving just by rubbing the front of my jeans and imagining getting a job. I promise I'm a really safe driver. (laughs) And again, the people are like, well, that's inappropriate. That shouldn't be out there. Exactly. It shouldn't be in the schools. Right. That's the whole point. Say also, though, the broader view is that. Uh, the video of it is very well edited together. And if you listen to it, you can tell a difference between uh, the real video of them doing some story time thing versus the uh, deep fake audio. But it's getting better as time goes on, the ability to really mimic people's voices. And if you're not carefully listening, it really does sound like, oh, my gosh, they're just reading from this book and talking about, you know, they have right. happy time behind the wheel <laughs> with a tube sock, you know? <laughs> oh, it's hilarious, man. Okay. I get to a reaction from that coming up in a bit. Also want to get to your reaction, David. Um, the Today Show, NBC, you were talking about uh, the extreme heat. And they were in your old stomping grounds. And there was a special report. Oh, yeah? Oh, this could be a whole lot of fun. Want to get to that and much more coming up right here. Van Camp and Robin show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp. Scott Robbins on vacation. He'll be back next week. I read this piece earlier from David Strom from Hot Air. 
And basically what he's saying is all this panic about the heat wave right now. And, yeah, it's freaking hot in a lot of places. Yeah. No doubt. Talking about the government telling doctors, and this goes back eight, nine years, I don't know that we're counting heat-related deaths the way we should. And so you see this spike in heat-related deaths. Yeah. And oftentimes that's not because of the temperatures. It's because there's different statistics being manipulated of how people died. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned a lot of different things about the reporting of this record heat that we keep hearing about. And yes, I'm not saying that it's not hot, but you feel like there's some propaganda involved here to scare the crap out of people. Definitely. It's like the lead story nearly every day. From the morning news shows. Good Friday morning, that brutal heat wave just will not end. And Al says relief could be weeks away. It is July 21st. <laughs> it's summer. Of Listen, course it's oh, going to be weeks away. Oh, just wait, because we're going to go to Galveston, Texas before oh, too long with the reporting. But here's the other part. This is the big open. Records. More than three straight weeks of extreme heat from California to Florida takes its toll. It's sticky and hot and awful. Even the temperature of the Atlantic Ocean now soaring to new heights. What? Okay. All right. So you got your reporter live. Yeah. That reporter is Pr Priscilla Thompson. It's sticky and hot in the Gulf Coast. Really? And awful. I'm shocked at that. Yes. Savannah, good morning. I just went down and stuck a thermometer in the water, and already here it's reading at 84.2 degrees. So you can imagine how hot that is going to feel as temperatures here are expected to soar into the 90s. It's going to feel more like 108 degrees here today. And the National Weather Service is saying that this southern heat streak could go until August. <laughs> of course it will. Are you not? <laughs> What, in what world have these people been living all these years? Like, oh, yeah, usually August is pretty mild, right? Usually yeah. August, you're talking about temps in, like, the 60s, right? When I first met you, I remember you saying, you know what? I don't know that I'll ever go back to the Houston area again because I could not take the heat. Dude, it's, yeah, August. It was in, 10 years ago. Yeah, usually August is hotter than July. Yes. <laughs> oh Wait, my man. God. And th there's there's part there's part of a story that was nearly tragic, but try to make sense of this, if you will. The staggering heat is especially dangerous for the elderly and very young. In Harlingen, Texas, a dramatic moment to save a baby accidentally locked inside a hot car. It shows people getting this baby out yeah. of a car. That that could happen anywhere at any time. That happens every summer. I mean, where I live, they have the the they have like digital or not digital, whatever. They have uh, road signs that have messages on them, and they change right. them periodically throughout the day. And it like at the start of summer, it always says, "Make sure you don't leave your kid in a hot car." Yeah, and what happens is it's tragic, man. The people that get out of like a routine and forget the kids in the back of the car. Yeah, can't happen. Not saying an excuse or anything, but to somehow put that in a see this is proof of this crazy heat seems like a bit of a stretch but hey we got a new cdc director you know oh yeah yeah an exclusive interview with nbc news the new cdc director highlighting the emergence of heat officers in local governments we're seeing for the first time where folks are um, designating someone as the you know 
in charge of responding to the heat. And for those who... What? What? How do you, how do you respond to heat? <laughs> what does the heat officer do? <laughs> do you go out and just yell from the street, it's hot? You drive around and your, your siren goes, it's hot, it's hot, it's hot, it's hot, it's hot, it's hot, as it goes away from... I'm not quite sure. What is the... Stop! Wait! Did you know it was hot outside? And this other part just seems like a good idea to me. And for those who have no choice but to work outside, one construction company in North Texas has some of its employees wearing sensors to send an alert if they start to overheat. And it'll alert me ahead of time, like, you still feel fine, but you're in danger of overheating. Let's take a break. That just sounds like a good idea. That, that's fine. Is that supposed to scare people? People have been doing that with Apple Watches for a while. Like, when you notice, uh, sen- uh, like, your, your pulse rate is going up, more than it should yes and it's like yeah i gotta take a break Too yeah <laughs> it's embarrassing i had that happen to me one time sitting yeah. still watching my kids basketball game <laughs> <laughs> high stress situation you know this is the markley van camp and robin show okay biggest story today if there's one apparently it's going to be hot in august <laughs> that's in groundbreaking Galveston? dazzling coverage that's <laughs> That's going to take some time for me to <laughs> recover from. Oh, my gosh. Uh, anyway, oh, okay, I do want to tell you this. I don't know if it's the biggest story of the day. Okay. But Ron DeSantis has yeah. responded to the Biden administration lying about the African-American history courses offered in the state of Florida. Okay. And um, I, I like that version of Ron. I'll just put oh. it that way. Looking forward to getting to that. And ICE didn't issue summonses to over 80% of migrants released. Really? All coming up right here. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Thank you for being here. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer, the millennial David Van Camp, the sexy boomer Scott Robbins on vacation back next week. Okay, news update. David? Well, so uh, we've already talked about this a little bit, but uh, Kamala Harris and other liberals are going after the state of Florida. They're lying about the... Uh, history courses being offered in the state of Florida, claiming that, uh, going as far as to claim that uh, Florida is now going to be teaching middle schoolers that slavery was positive. Yeah. Just yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. But... Uh-huh. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it. But that That's not true. And there's a lot of deep-in-the-weed stuff I can go through. Just rest assured, that is absolutely not true. That is a lie. They're using a footnote that says that's a, that's a conversation that you can have, not about that they overall benefited, but, hey, what, what skills did freed slaves have moving forward after the Civil War? Um, anyway, Ron DeSantis, running for president, but is still the governor of Florida, put out a couple of tweets saying Democrats like Kamala Harris have to lie about Florida's educational standards to cover for their agenda of indoctrinating students and pushing sexual topics onto children. Florida stands in their way, and we will continue to expose their agenda and their lies. The Harris-Biden administration, that's a nice touch, Harris-Biden. <laughs> <laughs> The Harris-Biden administration is obsessed with Florida, yet they ignore the chaos at the border, crime-infested cities, economic malaise, and the military recruitment crisis. 
Maybe if Biden's granddaughter moved to Florida, he'd actually visit her. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Good for him. I do like to see that. And, you know, some people are making the point, you know, you're basically running against Kamala Harris in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because how in the world, if Biden was elected, will he even make it? I, I don't can't. think he can. Today, we announced the first ever offshore wind sail. <laughs> what? Wind sail, yes. Wind sail thing. The Gulf of Mexico. Yes, where it's hot. It's very hot right now. <laughs> and they're right. predicting it may be hot into August. We just learned that earlier in the show. It's going to be hot in August in the Gulf Coast? No way. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So that's Kamala. Meanwhile... The New York Times is lying about the abortion law in Nebraska. Oh, this is just, again, about as egregious as you can get here. Um, So the New York Times put up a story, and now uh, several other media outlets have done the same framing of this, about a 19-year-old in Nebraska who's been sentenced to 90 days in jail, and they claim it's because she had an abortion. The headline screams, Nebraska teen who used pills to end pregnancy could get 90 days in jail. Sixteen paragraphs into the story, you find out she was not actually charged under the state's new abortion law. Celeste Burgess is her name. She killed her unborn child near the 30 weeks mark. She set fire to the body a couple of times trying Mm. to destroy it and then abandoned it in a field outside of Norfolk. She was convicted in part for mishandling human remains. Uh, The Nebraska abortion law, meanwhile... Uh, allows, or I'm sorry, bans most abortions after 12 weeks, which covers the overwhelming majority of abortions, we're told, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There are exceptions for rape, incest, and to protect the health of the mother, the life of the mother. The mom of this girl was charged for performing an abortion beyond 20 weeks and for performing an abortion without a medical license. I would hope that we could all agree that you should not do or, or, or practice medicine without a license here. So the mom, Jessica Burgess, has pleaded guilty to two felonies, removing, concealing, or abandoning a dead human body and performing an abortion beyond 20 weeks and the misdemeanor charge of false reporting. That's disgusting, man, that they just openly lie like that. Yeah. Deceive constantly. The left, the old Democratic Party. It is. It's like the party of abortion and sexualizing kids and open borders, soft on crime, um, no free speech, censoring people. It's it seems to get worse by the month. OK, and part of that, too, by the way, talking about open borders. I don't know if you saw this story. ICE did not issue court summonses to more than 80 percent of the people came here illegally that were caught and released under the biden parole program whole thing with the app initially when these people were apprehended they were released on quote parole and told to check in with ice within 60 days okay the washington times had this whole report more than 40 percent of those people never even showed up to check in Really? really who could have predicted that the rest actually did check in with ice but ICE released 80% of those people, again, without giving them a notice to appear in immigration court. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're here. We yep. got you. No problem. I heard earlier today, and you might have 
seen the story earlier in the week in Massachusetts, the governor there saying, we got no nowhere to put people. Uh, how about some of you folks open up your homes? Yeah. Well, there you go. How about no? But different people are talking that, you know, we can't have these people here illegally going to where the rich people are. How about some of these blue collar towns mm-hmm. where we'll go ahead and just buy out the local hotel? Okay. Um, for the next several months. And part of that cost, and it's costing the state millions of dollars. And they're also getting basically room service, food, three times a day. Yeah. Do that. No one in the country, it seems, knows that. That's insane. It's like the never-ending vacation. I, I know. It seems pretty nice, actually. Wow. So you got that going on. Um, on the trans stuff, I don't know if you happen to see this story from Fox. It's Fox Digital, where this boy who was castrated to become a woman and now wants to go back to being a boy... Um, is just warning people, you don't want to do this. I was expecting it to help me and help my mental health, and it didn't do anything. I just wasted so much time, and all I did really was become a medical patient for life. You're hearing more of these stories as time goes on. He said, you know, he was not like a lot of other boys when he was younger. Said he was always effeminate, loved playing with Barbies, things like that said, I should have probably stayed a feminine boy. There's nothing wrong with that. I felt unlovable as an effeminate man in society. I was never a man, but I'm trying to reclaim my manhood now and everything. It's hard. He said, because now he has breasts. He has the hip development of a woman because I started the estrogen young. I could keep reading it, man. It's just, I think you know where it goes. It's It's just sad. It, they butchered him. Yes. And and we're told this is loving and affirming. No, it's not. Yes. He said, I saw it as a way out of my homosexuality, if that makes any sense. Hmm. I mean, and people have talked about that. Um, you've heard different people say, you know, like lesbians say, you know, if I were growing up today, I'd have a bunch of people trying to tell me to do a sex change to be a man. Yeah. I never wanted to be a man. It's just evil in so many different ways. So he tells his whole story, what it was like, you know, what people were telling him when he was going to transition, and now he wishes he never would have done it. And that whole thing, he's right, talking about a lifelong medical patient. That's true. And, I mean, we've heard, you know, well, that was one of the statements made at Vanderbilt from the board there, and they actually had it on their website of how much money you could make from these people because you have a patient that needs to keep coming back again and again and again. Well, that's why the the manufacturers of the drugs that they use for transitioning, um, they don't submit to the FDA for approval for that purpose. What again, when a doctor prescribes, you know, puberty so-called puberty blockers, they're they're banking on the side effect of those drugs. It's it's not the purpose of the drug to actually do that, but there are known side effects that can mm-hmm. achieve the goal of feminizing a boy or, or, or making a, a girl more masculine. And the companies that make the, these drugs, they are not FDA approved for this specific purpose, and they don't have to go through this because it's all off-label prescribing anyway. And they know 
that if they had to go through the rigors of testing, actually, people would throw the flag on the play and stop it in its tracks. Right. And right well, now, how many it's like, people know that it's not approved? Right. And now it's like, hey, man, we're making bank off of what yeah. these kids are doing and what their idiot parents are letting them do to themselves. So we got a lifelong patient. And then if they stop using that drug, we can make another drug that'll help them deal with the side effects of that drug we sold them initially. This freaking evil, man. By the way, totally different story, but I think you saw this. There was this LGBTQ survey that they gave to students, and yeah. a lot of the students were mocking the whole thing, and they, the people that were conducting the survey were so angry yes, and so mad. This is hilarious. So academics from Oregon State University actually changed the purpose of their research because they were so shocked at the response. They gave this survey out asking about uh, uh, gender identity and, and LGBTQ stuff to a bunch of students in STEM fields, so science, technology, and math, and, and whatnot, engineering mm -hmm. and math. Um, the team said, well, there, we had about 350 responses to the questionnaire, and, oh my gosh, there was so much hate speech targeted, targeting us. So now they've actually changed the purpose of the study to talk about how fascism has taken over <laughs> STEM fields. <laughs> I love this. According to the article, when they were asked to fill out demographic data, 12 respondents indicated their gender as being related to a helicopter or aircraft, ranging from an Apache attack helicopter to a V-22 Osprey. <laughs> In the section declaring one's disabilities, responses ranged from claiming to be illiterate to lamenting my country is run by communists or even declaring that identity or identifying as transgender is a disability in itself due to the inability to come to terms with biological reality. One respondent claimed to identify as a gift card <laughs> under racial and ethnic identities. They said, I'm an ethnic gift card. And for disability, the answer was, I don't have enough gift cards. <laughs> the research team at Oregon State declared that the mockery they received had a profound impact on morale and mental health, particularly for one transgender researcher who was already in therapy for anxiety and depression. The paper claimed that managing the study's data collection caused significant personal distress and time had to be taken off the project to heal from traumatic harm of having to read students' responses in the survey. You're not cut out for this research thing, are you? All no. Right. My goodness, not everyone's going to play along with pretend. It's just the fact. Wow. Okay. Oh, real quick, survey out there. 58% uh, of people say, yep, I'm underpaid. Either somewhat or very underpaid. You know who people, um, or what people said they were underpaid the most? What occupations? Talking factory workers, mm -hmm. farmers, nurses, restaurant workers, retail employees, daycare workers and teachers mm -hmm. well the thing is man with some of those are you thinking like retail employees mm -hmm. i yeah that job kind of sucks but you can find somebody else that's the problem yeah i mean that's that's really it i mean that it's fine if you can do it but it's in a lot of instances depending on the store you're in you're pretty easily replaceable that's it now this is kind of surprising of the people that said they're actually overpaid Hmm. You've got doctors, real estate agents, lawyers, 
CEOs, pro athletes, and get this, hmm. politicians. <laughs> the one time some are honest. Possibly. Okay, much more to get to. Oh, we got to set you up for our Friday Five, our big countdown for today. And a news update next. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins be back next week. Okay, before we set you up for the Friday Five, what is the story with this 11-year-old kid? Man, it is it is so sad. And, and not that this kid shouldn't be punished for this, but this is where his community and society has failed him in a lot of ways. An 11-year-old in Washington, D.C. was charged with robbery back in June. Those charges were dropped. He's been arrested again on a violent crime charge just a few weeks later. Wow. The boy was originally arrested on an armed robbery and assault charge after, or back in May, I should say, after he was accused of multiple stick-ups across the district. But after prosecutors dismissed those charges in early June, the boy was arrested 11 days later for allegedly trying to steal a moped and threatening to shoot its owner. The soft Shoot on crime, its owner. Wow. The, the soft on crime stuff doesn't work because the criminals are getting younger. And no doubt. I mean, I'm not going to blame society for that kid's parents' failures. Um, but again, that this is not something that you know the left likes to talk about uh, 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 forgotten communities or uh, marginalized communities, <laughs> downtrodden communities, right? Well, you got to start in the home because a healthy home doesn't lead to an 11-year-old doing multiple stick-ups and armed robberies. No, it doesn't. But Jason Aldean's the real problem. Oh, of course he is, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, obviously. Okay, we got to set you up for the Friday Five um, today. And I don't know if you know this, but it's a big celebration going on. It's National Zookeeper Week. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you know this. Competition for jobs at zoos is intense, mm. even though it's low pay and challenging, because the people that are there love their gig. Yeah, they need appreciation. That's what this week is all about. So, how are we celebrating? Songs with what in the title? Wild. Yes, because zookeepers keep track of wild animals. Yes, they do. So you think about okay, what are the greatest songs of all time with wild in the title? Man, there's a lot of them. And I think there, you know, even without Robbins here, I think there might be some discussions of what made this list. Because mm -hmm. there are some songs you may not like, I may not like. We go back and forth. But it's a solid list. There's no doubt about that. If you want to get in early, the number is 210-619-2053. Again, 210-619-2053. the Friday Five Wild Songs. Coming up next right here. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins is on vacation. He'll be back next week. It's Friday. That means our big countdown the Friday Five. Start like this. The countdown is on. You know what this means? It's our favorite time of the week. Anybody wants to get mellow, you can get the f out of here, all right? 
The Friday Five. It will test your head and your mind and your brain. On the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Friday Five. Countdown we do every week. This week, celebrating National Zookeepers Week. Okay? Underappreciated. Yeah. I, Not I on agree. this show. Yeah. Not on our watch. That's why we're doing wild songs for the countdown today. And again, <laughs> the number to call is 210-619-2053. As always, how big was this song as far as a hit or how iconic is it? Then we put in, how does it stand the test of time? And then, how much do you personally like it? Put it all together. This is a really good list. A lot of fun, too. Mm. All right, who's up first today? Well, let's talk to Jim in Portland. Hey, Jim. Hey, guys. Happy Friday. Love the show. Thanks, Jim. Hey, well, I'm going to I'm gonna go with uh, a band that you like there, Jamie. Uh, and actually, from this LP, it was the only song on the album that I really liked. It was, uh, according to this group, uh, a, a Baby Dies, A Cop Cries. Well, that's just a day's pay on the wild side. <laughs> Motley Crue. And I agree. That was the best song on that album. Yes. Number five. That was the year you were born, David. Yeah. Wow. I had to be born to put a stop to this nonsense. <laughs> Shush. I still like this song. Leads off the Girls, Girls, Girls album, if you didn't know. I did not Okay. Know. Yes. Okay. Yeah, actually, that album came out right around the same time as the Joshua Tree from U2. I was working at a music land at the time. They were flying off the shelves, David. <laughs> All right, Wild Songs, that's number five. Who's next? Let's talk to Greg in Oregon. Hey, Greg. Gentlemen. Hey, Greg. I just want to let you know it's super hot like my wife Monica outside. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure Monica appreciates uh, that, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with John Mellencamp, but no, wait a minute. Somebody did it best first. It's Van Morrison. Wild Night. Yes. Number four. Wild Night is You know, there are people that love Van Morrison, like huge fans, for a number of different reasons. And one of the reasons they say is because of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. He's a great lyricist, okay? Um, and, you know, I understand he wrote that as a hit song, right? And, yes, John Mellencamp covered it. I'm not sure why, but he had a big hit with it. The, the Mellencamp was like a number three hit. Okay. And I know a lot of rock bands get dogged for their lyrics, mm-hmm. okay? But I give you from that song, and everything looks so complete when you're walking out on the street. And the wind catches your feet, sends you flying, crying. Ooh, ooh, wee. Wild night is calling. Incredible lyricist. <laughs> so deep. I okay, think, anyway. I think it's good. I, I, I enjoy that song. The best part of the lyric is ooh, ooh, wee. Yes, yes. Wild night is calling. Right, exactly. All right. Okay. Steve. Who's next? It's, it's it's a it's a Van Morrison thing. You wouldn't understand. No, uh, I let's, wouldn't. let's talk to Lisa. In, <laughs> let's talk to Lisa in Beaverton. Hey, Lisa. Hey, happy Friday, guys. You too, Lisa. 
Thanks. My pick is from the year I was born, 1971, Wild World by Cat Stevens. Oh, good call, yeah. Oh, baby, baby, it's a wild world. There's a good chance if Robbins were here today, that would have made the five. Yeah, I, I like this song. Yeah. There just seemed to be some other songs that were a little bigger to me. Did you know someone else covered that song and had a bit of a hit with it? Was it Tesla? It was Mr. Big. Okay, Mr. Big. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Better believe it. You know, I was looking at this list, and I'm like, you know, like four out of the top five all have covers, like a mm-hmm. lot of covers. Yeah. It's interesting. A lot okay. of iconic songs in this list. There is, no doubt about it. Wild songs for the Friday Five, and who's next? Uh, let's talk to John in Portland. Hey, John. Yes. Hey, John. Hey. What you got for a wild I, song? My guess would be Sam Kinison, Wild Thing, I Think I Love You. Yes. Wild Thing, I Think You Movement. But I want to know for sure. Every time I kiss you, I taste what other men have for love. The only thing can get you off is to see me in pain, but I think I love you. Now that's a fun cover there. Yeah. <laughs> Great memories of that, man, for sure. Okay, do we want to play the original or you want to wait? Oh, sure, we can play the original. Okay. Um, and, you know, part of the reason sometimes that a song stays around could be because of a cover that breathes life oh, into yeah. it. I'm not saying it needed it, but as far as our number one today. Number one. The Trog, the original. That is a test of timer. Come in, I saw the timber one time. Oh, yeah. Hendrix. I love that, too. Nice surprise there, David. There's a lot of good covers of that song. Yes. Yeah, that's a good number one, man, for sure. All right, who's next? Uh, is it Julie in Oregon? Oh, well, I was going to say Wild Thing by Tone Loke. You oh, know sure. what? Yes, no doubt about it. Get off my dog shit when I like static clean. But that's what happens when body starts slapping from doing a wild thing. Well, Van Halen like She wanted to do that. Wild thing. That's hilarious. So you would have been like four years old when that was a hit? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> Robbins would have played that a lot at top 40. That was a big, big hit. Okay, so we got number one so far, and we got number four and number five and some good honorable mentions, and who's next? Let's talk to Carl in Portland. Hey, Carl. Hey, how you guys doing on this beautiful Friday? Doing great, Carl. Thanks for checking in. What you got today? Excellent, excellent. Well, when I'm often in downtown Portland, admiring all the plywood everywhere <laughs> i often listen to a little song by one of the greatest concert bands the scorpions bad boys running wild you gotta be kidding me dude yes you made my day bro the lead song from love it first sting the 1984 classic from the scorps I'm guessing you don't know that song, Dave. I do not know that song, no. I am not, That's um, a deep cut from the score. Yeah, yeah get out of the way. way. Get out of the way! 
<laughs> yeah. Well versed in the scorpions. <laughs> Love it first. If you sting. want, I can make you a Scorps playlist. <laughs> Love I'll it. Send it to you. Love it first sting still cracks me up though. <laughs> Not always subtle, the Scorps. <laughs> Especially on the Love Drive album. <laughs> Okay, who's up next? Well, let's talk to uh, uh, Top at Fort Campbell. Hey, Top. Hey, guys. How's it going? Going great. Thanks for checking in. Yeah, I'm not doing too good. I walked into my kitchen this morning, and somebody put a sandbag right smack in the middle of the kitchen. <laughs> How dare they do that? And oh. sure enough, I ran right into it. <laughs> I don't know if the dog dragged it in or what. <laughs> somebody needs better stage management there at Fort Campbell. Hey, I want to reiterate something that a, a caller said to you guys a couple weeks ago. This is very important. A lot of us, when we lost, uh, when we lost our good guy Rush, uh, I didn't think I could find a radio show that would fill the gap. But you guys are it. You guys are really it. Oh, thank you. Oh sir. my gosh, dude! Don't feel like we deserve big, that. That's big, really big nice of you to say. Fill, but yeah, well, yeah, I think it was well said. Someone said it takes three of us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys are just as good with two of you. <laughs> Oh, thanks, hey, man. I, I'm going to go with an oldie, an oldie off the wall one. Old Lou Reed, take a walk on the wild side. Oh yeah. Hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Said, hey, babe. I think I may have a fun fact for you on this, David. And the colored girls go do 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 do. Okay. First of all, I don't think you could say that anymore. And I think this was the year you were born. And I thought it was really surprising at the time because Lou Reed had this rock credibility as an artist. Yet they used that song and he was in the ad for Honda scooters. Did you know that? I did not know that. I got to look that up and see if it's on YouTube somewhere. I remember seeing it for the first time going, that dude is selling Honda scooters? Well, every everyone needs a paycheck, you know? Times are Holy times were tough for Lou. I guess so. He had demons. Let's see if I can dig that up. <laughs> All right, got the Friday Five rolling. Songs with wild in the title because it's Zookeeper Appreciation Week, and we're recognizing again the number to call if you want to get in is two one zero six one nine two zero five three. We're still looking for number two and number three and a bunch of honorable mentions coming up right here. The monthly Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Martin, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins on vacation. He'll be back next week. Do you have a news update to get to in well, the next 10 or 15 minutes? A lot of stuff going on today. But we got to finish up our Friday Five countdown that we do every Friday. And in honor of National Zookeeper Week, we're doing songs with wild in the title. Number one, Wild Thing from the Trogs. Also had Wild Night from Van Morrison at four. Wild Side from Motley Crue at five. And then great honorable mentions from Lou Reed. Well, and by the way, when we mentioned Lou Reed, I mentioned that he was in this commercial for Honda scooters way back in the day, right? Um, found it. And they're playing the song, and then you'll hear Lou come in, and it was the catchy line at the time. Hey, don't settle for walk. And it's him sitting on the Honda scooter. Are you disappointed? You have that look of disappointment I, in your Look, eyes. he had bills to pay. 
He had vices to feed. I don't blame him for it. It was just so odd at the time. That's all. All right, back to the countdown of who's next. Uh, Let's talk to Steve in Illinois. Hey, Steve. Hey, uh, I don't know if your partner was alive then, but how about that he was born to be wild? (laughs) (laughs) Number two. Born to be wild. Huge hit. Yeah, big test of timer. Pretty much everybody likes that song. Oh, yeah. Some would say the first heavy metal song ever recorded. That's right. Does have that reputation, yes. Yeah, good stuff. Okay. All we have left, as far as what's in the five, is number three to get to. Who's next? Let's talk to Bill in Michigan. Hey, Bill. Hey, guys. How are we doing today? Doing great, Bill. How are you? Ah, good, good. Semi-free up here in... in, uh... Hitlerville up in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> what anyway, you today? Day here. Well, I, w- I was thinking about, uh, there was a couple, but uh, Wild Wild West by Will Smith. It was also done by uh, the uh, Escape Club, but Will Smith. Oh, yeah. Yep. You have a riff with people want to bust, break out before you get bum rushed. At the Wild Wild West, when I roll into the Wild Wild West, when I stroll into the Wild Wild West. Okay, man. Yeah. So it's been a while since the slap. <laughs> Is everybody going to still think about the slap when they bring up Will Smith? I, I, I currently don't even think about it. You don't? No. It's already been erased from my memory. Okay. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Get <laughs> my name out your mouth. <laughs> An absolute all-timer right there. I think he'll still come back from it. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Uh, the other song you mentioned there, The Escape Club. That was a hit all over the place. Mm-hmm. Did you know Rock Radio played that too, David? Wow. Yes, they and did. It's nowhere now. No, man. That one suffers from the old test of time. Yes, it does. No doubt about it. All right, who's up next? Let's stay in Michigan here with Sean in Bay City. Hey, how you doing, guys? Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, Sean. What are you thinking today? All right. We're up here in the Communist Republic of Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is is that more or less offensive than people who call it the uh, murder mitten? Murder mitten's fine, too. I don't find it offensive at all. Uh, (laughs) The truth hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How about the Stones? Wild Horses. Yes. Number three. That song is held in high regard. You like that song? I do like it. I don't want to hear it all the time, but it's it's a soothing song in some ways. It sounds good. Um, I think it's well done. By the way, have you ever heard, and you may not have ever even heard of this band, The Sundays? Mm, that doesn't no? ring a bell to me, no. Okay. They had a marginal hit with that in the 90s. Mm. And I, her voice I thought was great. Oh, I have heard this cover. Yeah, I really like this cover. Were you like hear it at the grocery store or something? Yeah. 
I think yeah, it's I, weird, man. I heard it a few times at the old Burlington Coat Factory when I worked there. I'm, you know, <laughs> sorting coats, doing markdowns and whatnot. And then I hear yes. this and wonder, where did it all go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got time for anybody else? No, no, we, we can burn a few more uh, uh, honorable mentions. Yeah, there's so many, man. And I mentioned a lot of covers, like Born to be Wild. There was The Cult. <laughs> and then we had a caller I know call in uh, for this song, um, and we lost him. And it cracks me up because Robbins hates it so much. <laughs> Duran Duran. <laughs> Sometimes I like to play this off air. Wow, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Just a lot of fun. Good countdown today. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Another big song is really a test of timer. Going way back. All right. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. And now back to the news of the day. There's a couple of big stories out there. I don't know what you pick as yeah, the biggest. There, there are. I mean, I you got the Trump trial date set for next May. Yep. Uh, so just in time for the primary to really wind down and everything. So, you know, this is election interference, and we know it. Uh, mm-hmm. Trump seems to be celebrating it, saying, well, now this will give us more time to, to, to focus on getting rid of this case or something like that. Uh, to me, I, I, I guess... I, you know, if you're banking on winning the primary, it makes sense. But I would think you'd want to get it out of the way if you're going to go to trial at all. Yes. And, then, you know, indictments, this. And then there's the FBI, Biden corruption story. A lot to get to coming up right here. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins on vacation back on Monday. Another news update, David Van Camp. Well, I don't know if this is necessarily the biggest uh, story of the day, but it it is really just dismaying to me. Uh, So today, the Disc Golf Pro Tour announced that it would be relocating the female professional open division at some of the largest events of the season to other states while canceling other divisions completely because they're trying to avoid more lawsuits from this dude who says he wants to compete with the women. I've heard about this. So in states where litigation is likely, they've already spent $100,000, and it's not like disc golf is this. I mean, it's it's very popular, but, yes. you know, it's not the PGA. And, and they don't, you know, they've already spent $100,000 fighting lawsuits from this guy. And so they're like, or not just from that guy, I guess it's from other eligibility challenges. Okay. And they're, so they're just saying, you know what, forget it. We're going to pull the plug in areas where we're going to have to go to court over this. So now it's not enough to try to invade women's spaces. Now you're just taking away women's opportunities altogether in the name of this insane gender ideology stuff. My son-in-law, I've mentioned this before, really good disc golf. At least as far as I'm concerned, he's really good. And have talked to him about this case or these ongoing cases. And then the question, you know, is there a big advantage? And like pretty much every other sport, yes, there is a huge advantage to being a male. And you wonder, when is this going to end? Or is this fight going to go on for years and years and years? Because it, or it will just be specific states that are going to be holding certain events to avoid nonsense like this. I mean, I, I, you know, there's been off and on talk, especially among conservative commentators, about a national divorce. 
And yeah. for all intents and purposes, it already is. You don't need any sort of secession. It already is happening um, because if you have, I don't know, uh, sane sensibilities in business, you're really not looking at progressive-run states right? or uh, progressive-run cities. You're looking at areas where you can do common-sense stuff. And that, that applies to taxes and, of course, cultural issues. It's not just the culture wars, as they love to say. I mean, this is about reality itself. Well, and for a while, with this particular issue, you had so many on the left saying, it's not happening. There, There's nowhere that girls are being replaced uh, by men. It's not happening. You know, like you give all these examples, this is where it's happening. And it may not be at the elite level like the NBA with the WNBA, mm-hmm. But it's certainly happening in cycling and disc golf and, you know, pretty much every other sport. You, it's another story. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, amateur competitions that you have all of a sudden men who haven't done that well in their division saying, you know what, actually identify as a female. Yeah, it's, it's nonsense. It's got to stop. There was some local skateboarding competition. Remember this where it was like a 20 something year old dude who identified as a female who was oh, yeah. competing against like twelve and thirteen year olds, yes. and then won, and was like, "Woo!" <laughs> like okay. scoreboarding. Okay. <laughs> Do you really feel that good about it? Mm-hmm. Um, something else that we had covered earlier, but I don't think that it can be covered enough right now in these days, anyway. More than three straight weeks of extreme heat from California to Florida takes its toll. It's sticky and hot and awful. Even the temperature of the Atlantic Ocean now soaring to new heights. What that could mean for hurricane season. Yeah, about that. How about that? Yes. As relief could be weeks away. It is July 21st. Could be weeks away. This could go into August. Are you telling me? From the Today Show, yes. Are you telling me that it could be hot in August? (laughs) Is that what you're telling me today? Yes. Oh, my goodness. There's been a few pieces written, too. Um, There's one in the New York Post, some cold water for eco-warriors. This heat wave isn't that abnormal. Just... I know the panic's on all yeah. over the place, and it's not that it's not hot in places. But from your own memory, can you remember, like, your local news covering? Well, it's really hot, and here's the cooling centers locally. I mean, this does happen. They're trying to make it out to be this massive, massive yeah. thing. And it's been a massive shift from saying, well, just because it's cold in December doesn't mean climate change isn't happening, you troglodyte, because, because climate isn't weather. But now it's like, oh, my gosh, there's a heat wave. Oh, obviously, that's climate change. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't it seem like the most reasonable people that talk on this topic talk about, okay, one to two degrees over 100 years, but it's it's different in the way that it was measured, and sometimes mm-hmm. the mercury couldn't be trusted. Um, so we take all of this, you know, not exactly with a grain of salt, but, you know, you're watching the patterns, and some will say, yeah, the temperature is raised, you know, one to two degrees. But what does this mean 10 years, 50 years, 100 years from now? Well, and it's a lot more reasonable than the panic that you hear all over legacy media. Well, I, I mean, the, the first uh, successful weather satellite was launched in 1960. So you do have to take all of that with a grain of salt because— when you talk about measuring temperature reliably, that is less than 100 years old. 
the ability to do that. So then yep. they say, well, we go with the archaeological record and we, we look at uh, ice core samples and things like that, which is not completely unreliable, but it isn't as exact as they make it out to be. Well said. Okay, one of the big stories today, new Trump trial date set in the classified documents case. Yeah, it'll be in May, just in time for the primary to wind down. So if Trump is the nominee, uh, well, they're going to go ahead and move forward with election interference in a courtroom. Yes. Good job. So you have that going on, trying to keep it all straight. And then an indictment may be coming. Yeah, a couple, actually. One maybe in uh, uh, Georgia, where, uh, what is that, Fulton County, I believe, uh, Georgia. Yeah. That has to do with the 2020 election, and there is uh, there are rumblings that Trump will be indicted there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Jack Smith, the prosecutor who's going after Donald Trump for the classified documents, is also uh, being tasked with investigating his actions after the 2020 election. And they're saying, well, the indictment could come down today. <laughs> Probably not today. Maybe it will. I, I don't know, but I would guess next week. If that, one is going to come down. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay. So there's that. And then you have a couple of different stories with the Bidens, Hunter and Joe, well, and Jim, mm-hmm. and the family corruption. So you had the whistleblower testimony earlier this week, and then you have this FBI report. Yeah. Which is completely different. Well, they're, they're, they're somewhat related in that they have to do with overseas business transactions with Hunter Biden and uh, how they involved Joe Biden. So the the whistleblowers from the IRS, as we talked about a lot, Mm -hmm. they were saying that the Justice Department was slow walking and obstructing their investigation into Hunter Biden's tax records, all the way up to the point where they were actually giving Hunter a heads up before a potential interview. They were blocked from interviewing his adult children to ask about payments made for tuition and other things uh, related to the cost of living. They're saying, well, the... You know, there are obvious questions to that. Uh, Anybody else would have been charged with a felony. Yes. Yeah. Um, And then in the FBI portion of it, a uh, a person has come forward who apparently worked with Burisma, this Ukrainian gas company, who had come forward in 2020 to tell the FBI, hey, you know, here's what I experienced. The folks at Burisma openly told me they had Hunter Biden on the payroll because they knew Joe would help help them avoid uh, any snares as they tried to expand the business operation into the United States up to the point where apparently somebody with Burisma has documentation <laughs> that says they prove that, that says they can prove that they paid a bribe to both Hunter and Joe Biden for Five a combined piece. Yeah. $10 million combined. Yeah. And that was going to get the job done for them. Yeah. As far as the United States goes. And then come to find out Hillary Clinton doesn't win. It's Donald Trump, and they feel like, well, I've wasted this money. Yeah, right. A little bit bitter about that. So keeping track of all of that stuff. And then there's some other stories out there. And having to see this, uh, some people are troubled by this. This is from the U.S. Census Bureau Statistics. Um, and it's weird that they say 34% of people 15 years old and older have never been married. Not quite sure why it goes all the way down to 15. Yeah. Maybe that's because they've been tracking it for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you get to, okay, what about people's just attitudes right now about marriage? Okay. There's a lot of Gen Z and millennials, David, 
don't have it on their radar at all. 40% of young adults up through age 40 say that marriage is an outdated tradition. So that's 41%. Mm. Well, uh, you know what? I want you to guess on this. Who says it more often than not, men or women, that it's an outdated tradition? I would guess men. It's women. Mm. 52% of women saying it's outdated. Wow. 41% of young men. Okay, 73% say weddings are too expensive these days. Oh, that's true. Yes. Doesn't stop a lot of people from spending all that money. No. But they say it's too expensive. 85% don't think they're necessary or, or it's necessary to have a fulfilled and committed relationship. But they're not being totally written off either. 83% say they hope to marry someday. Hmm. It's kind of odd, isn't it? It's like, yeah, I... I think it's a totally outdated and unnecessary tradition, but I hope it happens to me someday. Doesn't yeah. this really come down to the you can have it all I think lie so. that is told to a lot of young people? Like, no, you can maintain your independence and all of this stuff, but but uh, you don't have to get married. But being married, uh, uh, it's just kind of that's shackling yourself to somebody. And then you get into your 30s, and you're like, uh, maybe I do need some companionship. Yeah. But I... I, I don't know. I told you about this. This is going uh, viral online. It's just, I don't know what this lady's name is. It doesn't really matter. She looks like maybe maybe 20s, like late 20s to mid 30s. I can't really tell how old she is. Okay. But she was reacting to a story from people that asked, should a solo plane passenger have to move seats so a family can sit together? And she goes, this is so nuanced, but I'll try to summarize. No. Single people and travelers are not responsible for making sure their seats are where you want them. Nine out of ten, someone will move because I do believe people are kind, but I will not adjust my plane seat, my vacation time, my schedule, or my weekend for the kids that you have. Can't imagine why you're single, sweetie. (laughs) Dang. All about you, you say. Yeah. The other thing, all I could make from this survey about all these people saying, yeah, it's outdated, it's not necessary. So 85% not necessary, but 83% hope to marry. They like that, kid. Well, I think the homecoming court's stupid. I don't want any part of it, but, man, I hope they pick me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Please. Unbelievable. All right. So got to get to another uh, news update. And, of course, Nimrod's in the news. A couple of good ones today. Um, <laughs> you won't believe what a Burger King manager served out of the trash. Oh, no. All straight ahead right here. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Thank you for being here. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. We'll be back on Monday. Before we get to Nimrods in the news, news update, David Van Camp. I think this is a funny update here. Uh, So we mentioned that uh, Vice President Kamala Harris straight up lied about uh, Florida's uh, history curriculum, suggesting that in Florida, uh, now they kids have to learn how beneficial slavery was to enslaved people. That is absolutely not true. And we don't have time to go into all the details as to why. But obviously, that's not true. Right. I mean, anyone with two brain cells to rub together can say, huh, that sounds weird. I bet it's not true. Um, And Ron DeSantis hit back, writing on Twitter, maybe if Biden's granddaughter moved to Florida, he'd actually visit her. (laughs) So uh, a political journalist in Florida, uh, Peter Schorsch, 
responded to that saying, it's an atrocious tweet. Ron DeSantis beyond the pale with the granddaughter line. Why, why is it beyond the pale? That's the seventh granddaughter that the family won't recognize. Yeah. Even though the little girl knows that she has a grandfather and his name is Joe Biden. Yeah, I actually. And dad is Hunter. I think it's actually more atrocious that they will not welcome her into the family in any capacity. Agreed. Like, it's one thing if they're not hanging all the time, but because of whatever family dynamics are, but right. to go out of your way. I mean, like last Christmas, they hung up stockings for the damn dogs, but not, <laughs> not their seventh grandchild. Well, and continually make it a point to say six grandchildren. Yeah. Like in somebody's face about it. Yeah. Joe Biden dedicated her book to her six grandchildren. They have seven grandchildren. Right. That's actually wow. more atrocious than Ron DeSantis calling out the fact that Joe Biden's a horrible guy. And that whole family, they're garbage, man. Yeah. If you just look at the body of work yeah. and, and tell someone that story and don't give them a name. The reaction would be, that sounds like a terrible family. It's like There's no, a lot of bad people in that family. No wonder they produce two junkies in the family. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even mean that as a slight. I mean, that's it's like, yeah, these people were probably looking for escape, for an escape. And at least according to Ashley Biden, there may have been some diddling going on. Oh, boy. Man, oh, man. All right. Nimrod's in the news. Let's get to it. Roll it out. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrod's in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrod's in the news. We'll just get right to it. Assistant manager at a Burger King in South Carolina facing up to 20 years in prison for allegedly serving French fries out of the garbage. 20 years in prison for that? Yeah. 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 I guess if you're Hunter Biden, you're like, that's all? <laughs> right. Just fries? That's it? Uh, a couple of Sundays ago, cops responded to this call at a Burger King in Union, South Carolina. They get there. There's two customers screaming at this 39-year-old worker. Her name, Jamie Major. Now, initially, they got arrested for disorderly conduct until the cops got the full story and then arrested the Burger King worker instead. They had seen her take the fries out of the trash, dump them in a container, and then put fresh fries on top. That's malicious tampering. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's going to get 20 years, but that's the possibility. And by the way, it's impossible for any corporation to speak like regular people. Burger King released a statement. Uh, The allegations do not align with the the brand's commitment to quality food and service. How about, yes, we don't put up with taking food out of the garbage. Yeah, no kidding. Of course. Wow. And that's Nimrod's in the News.